0: Rosalie can you hear me?
1: Oh yeah I can hear you. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yeah it's okay. How are you doing Rosalie?
1: Yeah I'm fine I'm fine how 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 are you?
0: Uh I'm a bit sleepy <laughs> actually I wake up early. really Are you talking from south and on Sea? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's where I live. Is that like a very small city?
1: Uh yeah it's quite it's quite small. It's about 30 miles from London. Um it's the nearest beach to London so it's it's quite convenient. Um to get into town, and it's it's. I mean, it's it's a town, but it's it's uh, it's not a city. It's like quite quite a big town.
0: Oh, okay, got it. Um, yeah, how is the the quote unquote end of the quarantine going on in England?
1: Well, um, it's taking a, quite a long time for people to adjust. Um, it still doesn't quite feel like we're allowed to be going out and doing the things that we're doing. We actually did, um, it wasn't my music, but we did a, a covers gig with my partner Roscoe um, and a couple of friends, local friends. We put a four piece band together just to play some rock and roll covers, like 60s and 70s stuff, um, just to like a packed room of people, just to feel what it's like again last Friday. Um, and it was very strange. I mean, everybody was so close together and it was a, a sweat box.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it must feel good after like one year and a half.
1: Yeah. I, it does it does but we both um got sick afterwards <laughs> we don't think it's covid though it's um i think it's just a cold that's going around but um we, we don't have the covid symptoms we just uh don't feel too good
0: it's weird because it, we get we get like it's totally scary when it get gigs again because it won't feel right to be gathering with a lot of people yeah
1: so what's what's the um, situation over there what what's going on
0: Brazil is very horrible, actually. It's running as low as fuck. I even didn't get my vestments yet. Really? Yeah, yeah I'll probably take that, like, next month, probably. Maybe the end of this month. It's, it's pretty complicated. People are not wearing masks at all. Most of people don't want to take the vaccine, so that's a mess. And our president's, mm-hmm. like, the worst president in the world, so it's complicated. But we get better eventually, I hope.
1: I oh, wish you luck with that. Um, are people... Uh, are events happening? Are gigs happening?
0: No, just I believe just the football championships working, but with no crowd, of course. <laughs> have no events at all.
1: Get, get away with it somehow. Um, yeah, well, wow. we're actually going on tour next month, which seems like a wild concept now after 18 months of not doing anything like that. Um, and we don't really know what the ticket sales is going to be like because I think lots of people are scared to go out. Um, that's 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 the worrying thing here. We're allowed to go out now, but many people are still choosing not to because it's still not entirely safe. Um, and I think not just for that that reason. I think many people have actually just got a bit agrophobic. They've got a bit scared of actually going out and socialising.
0: Yes, I, I went out with a couple of friends some weeks ago, and I totally forgot how to be socio. You know, I didn't know how to talk anymore. <laughs> that's very scary but anyway i know you you had covid like the very beginning of the pandemic
1: yeah right at the start
0: how was that I had covid as well that's horrible
1: yeah did you feel was yours bad
0: i didn't go to the hospital luckily but yeah that was very bad yeah Did you yeah. got any any sequela from that
1: yeah i haven't quite felt back to normal since i don't know about you um but then again my symptoms are so vague and they're symptoms that could also be symptomatic of just um the emotional and mental strain that lockdown has had on me um so it's very difficult to know it's all very confusing isn't it so many blurred lines
0: yeah that's weird people some people die like months after for some side effects of covid that they don't even know that was related to covid so it's pretty hard to tell
1: yeah I've, I've certainly had some some quite a few health problems I, I can't say they're related or not but it's i was absolutely fine before <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah maybe uh how's the new album going i think you're very excited to to hear about
1: yeah, it um uh it's been a long time coming you'd think that all t- with having all the time in the world just at home not doing anything um i would have finished it a year ago or something mm-hmm. i started I started it about a year ago and I'm still doing it, would you believe? Um, but it's it's very, very close to being finished now. Um, I actually finished it all and mixed it and then decided I didn't like the mix so I'm going to a different studio to, to remix it. Um, and it's going to be out now uh, early February 22. Um, and that really, I mean, it's taken so long for a variety of reasons but not having the pressure of a deadline was actually not so good for me. I would have... I think I would have achieved a lot more in a short space space of time if we weren't in this limbo situation.
0: Um, People say that the the hardest thing is to finally say it's done and then you can move on because otherwise you're going to work forever on that.
1: I'm obsessive when it comes to working on music, really obsessive, and I can do it night and day uh, until it it drives me insane to the point of a breakdown, and then I have to have a couple of weeks off and then I'll decide to do it all over again. Um, (laughs) So it's not been that good for somebody like me.
0: I know the feeling. It's called hyperfocus. I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm talking from Brazil. I've done some research, and it seems that you guys have like a lot of fans in Brazil, uh, based on social media comments. Are you aware of this fact?
1: We, we yeah, I I definitely pay attention to, um especially with person. And um, we got a lot of comments from Brazil. It must be something about Brazilians, because they always say come to Brazil. Nobody else from any other country says, uh, you know, oh, we come to Mexico sometimes as well. So it's South Americans. They they seem to love uh, telling us to come to, to your part of the world.
0: Yeah, we, and uh, we definitely come to the gigs, you know, <laughs> that's cool.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I've heard stories. It's uh, it's It would be a dream to come over there and do uh, some festivals or a tour um it's obviously such an ordeal so expensive and getting visas and everything um but it's i think getting on a festival you guys have some really big festivals and that would be kind of um the the best foot in the door for for that yeah Um, that would be crazy we post a lot of merch to south america actually so i know that the fan base is there which is lovely to know
0: cool i hope you guys can come in the future here Maybe.
1: Yeah, if you have any contacts, please send them my way.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, there's some um, labels that have bring in, have been bringing some smaller bands like Trick Fighters, Stoner Jesus, most of the guys from, from Stoner Rock and Dune. But it's so, so frozen now because of the pandemic that I don't know how it's going.
1: Of yeah, well, travel is going to be quite difficult after this. We're supposed to be playing um, a European tour in February and March that we're just on tenterhooks about at the moment, waiting to know whether or not we can do that. Um, obviously, you probably know about Brexit as well, which is just bad news all around. For our yes.
0: I've been listening to news about it, Brexit for well, two years, you know. It's
1: the move in the world.
0: <laughs> it's, like, it's like a soap opera, it never ends.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't end, but it does seem to be... Um, it, was, um, it was actually five years ago that we, for some reason our country the majority vote was to leave Europe which just seems insane to me um but yeah so it's only kind of coming to practice now that touring is going to be so difficult for us
0: it's funny that most of the votes come from old people that will be dying in 20 years maybe
1: it doesn't even affect them whatsoever yeah you're right so it's um Also, they were very misled. I think the older generation in this country, probably in your country too, are very, very gullible and they they, uh, believe everything they read in the media. And so they can be, they're targeted, obviously, because the powers that be that have ulterior motives can just, it's a huge, huge chunk of the population that aren't sort of internet savvy enough to do their own research and just believe what they are fed. It's
0: horrible. In Brazil, we have like people that live in other countries and on Bolsonaro here, but they don't even fucking live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do a bit of timeline. Um, I want to know how we got into music, like the first contacts, the first instrument you learned, how to play, um, the first bands you listened to.
1: That's a, that's a long story, so I'm going to go get myself a drink quickly from the fridge. <laughs>
0: that's okay, go there.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I started quite early on, I suppose, compared to a lot of people. Um, My dad was a musician and a music writer, so I was exposed to the world of rock music from a very, very young age. Um, And just kind of, I didn't know exactly that rock music or playing guitar was what I wanted to go into, but I was always very into singing and performing and dancing and a very small bit of acting when I was a child and things like that. I wanted to perform. I was a show off, I suppose, <laughs> you know, I wanted to um, <laughs> express myself, I suppose. And I was quite lucky that I was born into a family that really cultivated that. Um, quite an artistic mother as well, so that really helped. And then when I did get into rock music, uh, uh, number one was the Beatles for me. That was kind of uh, the gateway to the gateway drug to absolutely everything that I'm into now, as it is for most people, a lot of people anyway. Um, and so that began um, it really became quite an obsession actually with the Beatles. They adorned my every speck of wall as a child and teenager. Um, and I just had to be like them and write songs. So writing songs was my thing I was most passionate about more than being a virtuoso on the guitar or or being like Jim Page or being like this person. It was more just, I want to write songs. And I think that was quite an important um, thing for me to be passionate about to begin with because that's kind of carved my career over time. Um, Uh, yeah so then just as as soon as I had a bunch of songs and could play a few chords I wanted to form a band um, formed a you know a few bands at school Um, the one that ended up doing a couple of things and gigging Um, we started gigging when I was 13 um, just locally and then that lasted a couple of years and then I left school moved to London when I was 16 and formed uh, an all-girl band called ipso facto and we ended up being picked up by a record label our first ever gig and so That was a bit of a whirlwind. I got to sort of see the world and do an awful lot of exciting stuff, you know, dreams come true kind of stuff for me at that age. Um, And then that kind of fell apart rather quickly. Um, We were together for a year and a half, a very, very you know, jam packed year and a half. But then I had um, about a year and a half out after that, I think probably to calm down and kind of take stock of what the hell just happened. (laughs) Um, And then I formed a person.
0: Yeah, did you tour only in Europe with Ipso facto?
1: No, we went to America too. We didn't tour in America, but we we went to New York and we played a few shows in New York.
0: Oh, that's very exciting for a teenager.
1: It was so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It made me a bit complacent, really, because I thought, wow, this happens so easily. I can just split this band up and form another one overnight and I'll be in the same position. And of course, that didn't happen. You know, we were very lucky. We were in the right place at the right time. And um And it was a lot harder getting person together.
0: Any girls had the same hair as well? Does that have any influence from Beatles?
1: Of course it did. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean that was it was it was quite lucky that I mean it was kind of a style that was going around London at at the time. Lots of girls had that kind of look, um, but I made um, I sort of refined it and told everybody you. You have to dress in monochrome. You have to get the same haircuts as me. And our drummer was kind of really not that style at all. She had like long blonde hair and just wore sort of like denim shorts and T-shirt. And she really wasn't quite, she wasn't happy about it.
0: <laughs> I noted that that she was the only one, the, the rebel one. We yeah. don't want to be like the same. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's like a big gap between Ipso facto and person.
1: Yeah, I think it was about a year and a half. That's
0: um, yeah, not that big.
1: It's not that big. Um, but I i tried to do a band in the meantime in that gap. Um, and I I spent a lot of time and effort working on that band and it never did anything. We never played a show. We recorded some stuff, um, I didn't like it. <laughs> but That's... it was an important learning curve for me because I wrote a, i wrote a lot of the first person album during that time.
0: That's very frustrating. I've been doing that for for a long time we're writing music and never putting it that out <laughs> that's a bad feeling
1: yeah. it sometimes needs to be done for you to find yourself in a way but
0: uh yeah how was the the beginning of person i know you guys are all from the same city and you were like old friends
1: well um i was looking to start person for a really long time it wasn't called person it was just this band that i had in, i knew exactly what we were going to sound like i had a lot of the material um i was just looking for the right people, um, Then I met my ex-boyfriend who, um, at the beginning of the band, he was the bass player. And um, we met um, when I was 17 um, because Ipso facto recorded in his, uh, in the studio that he worked in. He was an engineer in this very niche, um, very, very retro recording studio that's completely analogue, no no piece of equipment from sort of after 1968 or something. It's really old school. Um, And I thought that was amazing. I was blown away. And that sort of shaped my my view of how I want my music to sound quite heavily actually. So that experience was quite important and I met him and, you know, just just as a friend and then didn't really think anything of it. And then a couple of years later when he'd heard that Ipso Factor had broken up, he got in touch with me. Well, quite a long time after, as I say, it was about a year and a half after and um, got in touch with me and said, um, you know, would you like to collaborate on something? And when we got together, it was, it just worked. We had the same vision. So that's how the band began. Um, It was just the two of us. And we were then looking to form a five piece. And I thought, well, why don't I ask my old friends? Um, You know, they're not very experienced. Um, One of them doesn't even play an instrument, but he's my best friend. So he needs to be
0: involved. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: um, George uh, George and Sam, the keyboard player and other guitarist in person, they've been good friends of mine since my early teens um and we have grown up on the same music we have the same sense of humor and i just thought if i'm going to start a new gang i want it to be with them um and so george had to kind of quickly get his shit together on guitar he could play guitar anyway very well um sam couldn't play keyboards at all had never played an instrument in his life really Um, yeah but we we lived together in a flat in london and i just said well i'll teach you
0: he's such a um, a good player really
1: he, he oh he got after after I taught him the rudiments, he went and got proper lessons from a jazz pianist. So it was, I won't take credit for all of that. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I play keyboards on the recordings. So that uh, if you're talking about the recordings, that would have been my playing. But he did get very good uh, as a live performer in the end.
0: I was talking about the live, actually. Yeah. Uh, I heard you guys played in Japan. I think it was Saitama City.
1: No, we never played in Japan. We were booked to play in Japan. Are you talking about the 2016 gig?
0: Yeah. It's very old stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, we uh, we never went. We broke up.
0: Oh shit, that was before the gig. Up.
1: Yeah, we broke up just before we were supposed to go. Um, oh, it all my God, it man. all disintegrated very quickly in 2016. We we did an American tour. Um we did two American tours actually. Um but well, we did an American tour in two thousand sixteen that was the death of us basically, um, very sadly. Um I didn't I, I wasn't done with the band at all. Um I thought in the future I'll go solo. I didn't have any intentions of doing it at that point. Um, but so many things went wrong at once that it was just the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, uh, that's why I didn't find any material about this show, <laughs> this concert.
1: <laughs> we were so disappointed about that. Really were, but it was um, it. It wasn't personal squabbles amongst uh, the band. It really wasn't. Um, you know, we weren't perfect in that way. But we were like brothers and sisters. It was it was uh, management and label stuff. You know
0: oh shit all right um i'm gonna ask some personal curiosities now for you to to answer first one i want to know the meaning of the lyrics from the iconic song tragic catastrophe
1: okay um that's such an old song i i wrote that a long time before i even started person i wrote that when i was about 18 um but i didn't write the lyrics until later actually so i wrote the music and i had the music and um I knew that it was uh, the melody I had and stuff was quite emotive. It needed to be something that I really meant. And I think that's why it took me about a year to put lyrics to it because I couldn't find the words. Um, And really the song is uh, quite autobiographical. It's uh, sort of a story of a kid discovering rock and roll. in in sort of old dusty magazines in his dad's attic, which is exactly what I used to do as, as, as a young child and teenager, um, look at these 1970s, um, like Melody Maker and Enemy and all of that, and look at these pictures and think, well, that's what I want to do. That's what I should be doing. Um, and yeah, that's what the song's about, having, having that um, experience, but being in the 21st century, growing up, coming of age in the 21st century, where that sort of thing is redundant almost. <laughs>
0: that's very interesting actually yeah second one Uh, i'm not sure if there's a reason for that but why the the song sky parade ends so abruptly in the studio version
1: um well i was copying (laughs) um because it ends the first side of the album right so on vinyl it ends the first side of the album and um on abbey road um the first side of the album is cut short just like that. Um, with um, I want you, she's so heavy, it sort of um, it crescendos into this massive noise at the end of the song, and then just the tape is spliced, and that's how the first side ends. And then it opens up again the second side with Here Comes the Sun. So it's that's kind of what I wanted to do with that. It was just a direct rip off, really. So I don't know if that was understood by people. I hoped it would be.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, there are more songs, I know there's a Black Sabbath song that ends abruptly as well. Um, all right, third one. I want to know the story behind the cover of the second album, Desires Magic Theater. I think well, you that, guys, you guys say theater, not theater.
1: Theater. Theater. theater.
0: Yeah, it's different. Okay.
1: Um, um, well, that was the brainchild of me and Sam. Um, Sam and I actually would always come up with the visual side of things. So that, so although he wasn't a musician to begin with, he did become one. But he was always very influential um with the whole aesthetic of the band the visual side of things um and so we kind of had this idea where we would just just go as mad as possible your wildest dreams kind of thing um and so uh, just just we we all invented our own characters so that you can see the other four members of the band on in the corners um and they just they they made up those costumes themselves we kind of just went well come as whatever you <laughs> whatever you want to come as for this shoot <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I sort of digitally created the image of me, obviously, holding lots of little dolls of myself as a trippy sort of narcissistic, <laughs> <I don't> know, <laughs> playing with myself kind of thing. Um, and uh, Sam, God knows what Sam is, some sort of, like, Shakespearean uh, tragedy actress holding a fish for some reason. Um, and George is a cowboy um, because George is quite, he's just a cowboy anyway. I don't think he was even dressing up. Um and yeah uh, just Justin was some sort of Roy Wood sitar player kind of guy um, and it was just all sort of like I don't know it was it was madness all just uh, uh pour, pouring as much sort of wild psychedelic ideas into the uh, imagery as possible.
0: Yeah was that like a uh, custom makeup or out done in a computer?
1: it was all real it was all real yeah oh, real? I, I, I was yeah I was I was naked and blue for the whole day um wandering around this photo studio um with quite a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was quite liberating but um I smelt so bad by the end because the paint isn't breathable yeah so I was sort of cooking in my skin
0: shit um, uh, was that a, a, a sunny day
1: uh yeah it was but it was indoors it was indoors it was under studio lights so obviously that's what was causing the heat
0: yeah Fuck, that must feel bad
1: it was it was disgusting <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right the last one uh i don't want to send you another advance of course i want to know if you have any crazy or funny story you lived on tour a Bruce on. hundreds <laughs>
1: hundreds um i mean i've told this one many times before but it is quite outrageous so i can tell it again uh, we were once kidnapped oh um, my god our van broke down and uh, in Belgium and we were picked up by some really not legitimate um, sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Company that could come and pick you up like a garage. Um, And they drove us for miles and miles and miles through the countryside. And we were having quite a nice time because we just thought, oh, well, we've got plenty of time for the next gig. We'll we'll just uh, go get the van fixed and drive to the next gig. And um, about an hour and a half later, we were like, surely there's a closer garage. Why are you driving us so far? They didn't speak any English. It was, a, I, I think a father and son or a, a, an uncle and a nephew or something. They seemed related. They didn't speak any English and that the the older guy had uh, a lot of fingers missing. Um, and then they took us finally to this lock, this lot with loads of broken down cars, burnt out cars and things. Um, really, really high um, gate, sort of like a 12 foot gate all the way around the perimeter um and just locked us in for a really really long time and wouldn't communicate with us and we started to get a bit confused at that point um and then they demanded five thousand euros Um, and obviously we didn't have i mean the van was only worth like a thousand euros it was it was a piece of (laughs) (laughs) um so we just said well you know what what are we going to do And we kind of thought about it it's oh it's such a long story it was it was halloween and we'd just come from amsterdam and um we were going to uh, none of us had any phone signal either so uh, cuz it was the middle of fucking nowhere and our driver uh, took initiative and said he was going to jump over the fence and he remembers the way back to the motorway so he walked back to the motorway where he said that's the last place he had signal on his phone so he went there with we couldn't contact him so we just hoped that he was going to save us um we, i mean we were useless we were a bunch of children to be honest we were a terrible terribly irresponsible band um, without a sort of adult to help us um, and he came back eventually and said i've um, i 've called the police because he tried to call um, he tried to get the Belgian authorities to help and the Belgian authorities didn 't care so he ended up sure. calling calling the, the uk police to come over the like over from England to come and save us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would take a lot of time.
1: Really dramatic, yeah. But but then we realised that apparently they were going to be ten hours, and we thought, oh well, we're starving. We've got no water. It's a really hot day. Um, but also, we'd just been to Amsterdam, so we had a load of drugs. Um, so what are we going to do? Uh, we've got ten hours to kill, and we can't. We're going to have to ditch these drugs because the police are coming. So we we just ate them all. Um, on <laughs> and uh had a really really wild psychedelic time smashing up their uh their car lot with crowbars sounds like (laughs) a script of a movie it's crazy isn't it? someone needs to make it into a movie it's actually more even more insane than that but i haven't got time to explain it but we got driven home we've cancelled the rest of the tour we left the van there and oh no no the van got towed back sorry on the back of this massive truck but it was it was ruined after that um and uh yeah we we got driven back home
0: all right let's move to the the next section out talks about your solo career. The last album you put out's incredible of course. I like that you didn't try to copy yourself in person instead you made something new it's more catchy, yeah. it's more radiophonic and your vocal sounds way more powerful and more natural in this one. How do you see this evolution from poor to your solo career?
1: um well I had I had a lot of time to think about things um, it was what was the gap between it was about um when it got released i think it was a three years since the last person album but i mean i'd written a lot of the stuff in the year after person broke up so it was quite um by the time the album was released it was quite old material um but i was writing that material um without a band in mind so when i would write for person i would think how are we going to play this live what's going to be effective on stage you know people like riffs people like uh, things like that um, so I would be writing thinking what is the audience you know I was writing for myself too but I was also thinking oh won't it be fun if we stick a big riff in here kind of thing um, whereas with this album it was really kind of just writing for myself um, and then and the songs turned out that way I suppose um, because I wasn't the, the arrangements could be um, more extravagant um, because I didn't have the constraints of a five-piece band Um am recreating it with a five-piece band anyway and, um, I don't know, just um just growing up, I suppose, I think um, the the songs are about my experiences. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, because to me, it d- doesn't sound dramatically different. It's just like when I listen to it, it's like, oh well, that was me at 26, and this was me at 28. It's you know it's, it doesn't feel any different to me, but it's, it's probably your job as a <laughs> as a music critic to.
0: And uh, I'm not a music critic at all. I hate them actually. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I think it reflects the, the your current moment of your life probably. But that's mm. cool because some bands, when they, they moved something else, on, when they do a reunion and new stuff, they try to copy what they were like in the past. And that's so horrible.
1: Well, I've never thought about that. I've never thought, well, that formula worked. So I'll do that again. It's not how my mind works when it comes to writing music. Um. This album, though, the new one that's about to come out is um, probably a bit more like maybe a cross between person and the first, uh, the, the last album. I mean, it's a bit sort of um, because I've had a band since and I've played these songs live and also having my partner Roscoe, who I sort of, it's like having a band member living with me. So I'm constantly bouncing ideas off of him and he plays the drums and well, he plays guitar too. But when when I write a song, he'll jump on the drum kit and sort of play it with me. So it feels like. And live band is playing the song, and so I, I get I get that feeling of, oh, wouldn't it be great if we stuck a heavy bit in here and st- a bit more like I would write with person. So, um, yeah, maybe it's going swinging back in that direction.
0: Uh yeah. Uh, you put out recently two amazing songs, number one for nine and fastest song. Actually, when will the the next album be out?
1: February next year.
0: February next year. Oh, it take a lot of time yet.
1: It's it's not just uh, I mean it's it's pretty much finished it's just the the, the rec, uh, getting it pressed on vinyl and the amount of time the record label needs it just it it's uh, we've been told that that's the best
0: time there will be you know. singles between now and February Yeah I
1: hope I hope so I really hope so um because 149 and Fossil Song both of those songs are not on the album so oh. there um there will be another single um before the album comes out but that will be something off of the album I think um cool. Yeah, I'm still not decided which song because it's difficult. There's, there's lots of um, candidates for for a single, I think.
0: Okay, and all right. Uh, I think is it. Would you like to send like a last message to people that will be listening to this interview?
1: Well, I don't know um, who, uh, which countries over the world are going to hear this, mm-hmm. but. Um, Um, really what I would like to push is for people to buy tickets for our gigs because people have been very tentative and scared to buy tickets I think and we can't book things well can't go back to normal I'm speaking on behalf of all bands by the way Um, we can't book things and we can't plan our lives unless people buy tickets um so it's it's been a really difficult thing trying to get people to commit because maybe it will it will get to the time of the, like the night before the gig and they'll go oh it's it hasn't been cancelled so i'll buy a ticket but it's uh it's very difficult to to work like that um when you don't know who's going to show up it could be 20 people you know and then then you're losing loads of money so
0: yeah that's a terrible time you're living now but it, you, you'll get better i hope yeah. so All right. Thanks a lot, Rosalie. That was awesome. Thanks for your time. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, thank you. Keep being awesome. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.